Everyone, welcome back to another episode of No Ride Around. You, yeah. <laughs> how you doing there, Justin? Oh man, I'm uh, halfway through a, an americano, so I'm doing. I'm at the point where, like, the beginning of the party, where you're like, yeah, like I kind of got my good vibe. <laughs> like my shirt's still fresh; it's not yeah. wrinkled up. Um, by the end of the episode, I'm gonna be done with this cup of coffee and like totally tilted sideways on the back of the couch. That you know, you remember those days? I do. Oh. <laughs> I've had one of those. Well, I didn't have one of those last night, but some people I know um, did. So, anyway, um, I think we got a lot to cover today. Um, I want to start. I'm not a big fan of controversy, but sometimes it just presents itself. And what I'm talking about is the Gold Rush Bike Rally. Put on by um, the same people who put on Old Man Winter, who listening to the podcast all for the 2021 or the 2020 year, um, you know there's been some ups and downs back and forth with those guys. And that was nice placed or put. Well, basically we shit, got- we shit on him, <laughs> and then. And then we thought, hey, you know what? Let's invite him to come defend his position. Yep. And then he came on the on the podcast and he defended his position and he did it really well to the he point did. where where we bought fully in. Like, hey, listen, awesome. Like we yeah. actually understand. And you know what? I'm not gonna say the term isn't backpedal, but we most definitely We softened. Yeah, we he definitely let's see understood and changed our tune a little bit based on that. Yeah. So as a recap, um, one, there's two episodes back at the beginning of the year that you can listen to and please do, um, if you want like the real nitty gritty, but the, the broad strokes of the whole deal with old man winter was the race was canceled due to outside forces. The refund slash deferment slash discount policy was kind of garbage in our opinions we ruffled feathers by doing our own makeup race, which got us in contact with Josh, who's the race director for Old Man Winter. A ton of respect for that guy. Because he did take it head on. I mean, he he wanted to approach the situation and discuss it and defend the perspective of the race organizers. And there was some shit that I learned. Totally learned some stuff. Understood the position of a race director. Don't envy it. Yep. Um but learned and and we pivoted and we actually began to support yeah. yeah um and you moments ago said i think what is the key term which is that we bought into what he said oh. which to me implies on the heels of the cancellation and, and deferment policy for the gold rush is that he was just selling shit canned response that he would have given to any media outlet or anyone questioning him like it was it was so good now looking back his responses were so good that they weren't just pulled off the cuff you know what i mean it wasn't just a good conversation it was a strategic positioning yeah now again his defenses were that and he's not wrong he's not wrong at all 
that they did put on their event. They the put day it on. of the event, yep. the, the the police officers are not volunteers. That's a big chunk of the budget. There was infrastructure. There was course marking. There was course marshals. There was timing chips. I mean, there. His defense of why they couldn't give refunds, just full full boat, was that the money was spent and that that would cripple the future event, which again makes total sense. Total sense. He spent the money. The event was going on. The cash was out. Yeah. Now, gold rush. Totally. <laughs> So for those of you that haven't received the email, here's the deal. There's an entry fee, a registration fee. Now, events are crazy right now, right? Like Because in actually, in light of the 2020 season, you know, he had to go through that whole experience due to weather before anyone, all race directors are now going through their experience, yep. but due to this pandemic, right? Yep. And they are having to figure out their strategies on the fly, be it deferments and refunds and asking you to leave the money in the till because it's going gonna, it's gonna to support a specific organization, whatever it may be. Everyone's trying to kind of like figure it out, but it's because they've already, like for instance, the uh, Lumberjack 100, part of the NUE series, um, it got canceled this year and they can't do a makeup date and it's just canceled. Well, that sold out in 12 minutes a year. So like it sold out uh, early fall in 12 minutes. So the money is already all come in and all their stuff is already like in play. And these guys are now figuring this out, right? But this guy with Gold Rush, this event wasn't even open for registration prior to the email going out like a week or so ago. So he's in front of it all. So he has the ability in front of it to do whatever, what, whatever needs, whatever needs to be done. He can get out in front of it. And his get out in front of it is shit. It's not good. It's not good at all. Um, and the reason it's not good is because he instantly backpedals on kind of the core foundation of what his defense position was with Old Man Winter. So I'm just going to read it. And basically he has a sliding scale refund. If it's more than 60 days out, you get all your money back. Okay, I get that. But then it, like, I'm not going to go through everything um, because it just gets increasingly shittier um, down to 14 days or less before the event if it gets canceled. Um, if it's two weeks before the event, you, you don't get, get anything back. It, Nobody gets anything back. This is a cancel because of Corona, obviously, yeah. like what the orders are going to be with the state health department. But they're already seeing at the beginning. Hey, you're going to pay the full boat and you're going to get maybe some of it back, maybe depending on when we maybe cancel it. Instead of being in front of us and saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get all my vendors, my timing guy, the chair rentals, the, the, what all the stuff he has to spend money on and say, hey guys, if there's a cancellation, I want to write into our agreement that basically I'm not going to get unhooked for any of this stuff. But instead of going that way to vendors, who vendors' pockets just by default are deeper than a single racer's pocket, and instead of going to those five or six or eight or even a dozen vendors and working with them, he's going to ask hundreds of racers to just volunteer cash. So you're asking for hundreds of losers versus maybe five or six companies that might lose, and maybe not even lose, just give him the ability to get out of it. Like There's just a hundred different ways you could do this more intelligently than just pulling money out of people's pockets and saying you're not going to give it back. 
Yeah, and so the way that I read the cancellation slash, you know, coronavirus policy is that I'm literally waiting till the morning of the race to potentially sign up. Well, first off, well, I'm not doing. I'm it. not doing the race period. Like, but, off, like you yeah. are, are. The way we see things, my friend, <laughs> yeah, are different. Yeah, and by my friend, I mean Josh. Like, sorry, yeah. dude. Like, we don't see same things the same way. I'm out. Uh, but if I was going to do it, I would do it day of only. Yeah. So, I don't know. For me, I, I agree. The race, like we're way too far apart. Yeah. And when I say we, I mean me as a racer and Gold Rush as, a, as an event that I'm going to spend money on. Like, yeah. There's way too big of a delta. Um, because I don't know. Like, again, his whole argument, his whole thing was. I can't give you your money back because I spent the money already. I put on a race. In this case, if you're 14 days out from a race and it gets canceled, guess what you didn't do? You didn't put on a race. I I don't understand. It's out of his control. I get that there's, you know, local governments and federal governments and health or, you know, I get that the COVID times are an interesting thing to try to put on events. And I, I understand and respect that it can possibly end up being out of his control again. But if you strip that away, he was so heavy on the fact that he put on an event and that's why he couldn't give refunds. And now they're saying, you know, and, and you know, 30 to 45 days out, I still only get half of my money back. Yeah. So here's the thing though. The other things he pointed out to mention were, you know, this was the the weather thing. They didn't have a backup plan in mm-hmm. case because this has never happened. Yeah, it was an unprecedented snowstorm, so it never happened. We were back. We were trying to figure it out. We were doing our best, like we we thought we could do this. But next year, see, next year we're going to have three different course options based on if this happens. Right, mm-hmm. so we had a mitigation plan. Yep. to be able to to still set some off, but. You're now you're months away from your event, and you're just going to throw this out here. Hey, it's a sliding scale refund deal. Instead of putting together a better mitigation plan, yeah, like there's a better one out there. Then you're probably not going to get reimbursed. So, I've already had entry fees taken from this year. Those races I've signed up for, hell, I signed up for the whole off-road series, the Epic Rides. Um, yeah. I've lost my money from Whiskey Off-Road. I've lost my money from Grand Junction Off-Road unprecedented COVID-19 pandemic that I signed up for these events prior to it coming, right? And I get their hopes. This dude didn't even send out a registration link until well into this COVID pandemic. Figure it out, bro. Do a better source of of recon with your vendors and and your plan and your mitigation and and figure it out better than thinking that I'm going to fund your try. I'm not going to fund your try. No. And so I feel bad because I do want to, like, I gave Josh and the whole crew over there a ton of credit. And I still have respect for them. Like, they're they're trying to do – they're trying to keep some level of normalcy for people who want to race bikes. Um, but I also have to be critical as a customer. At the end of the day, I'm a customer. Um, and so as a customer, I'm not in love with, with the sliding scale refund nonsense. Well – we have, and, and we put together some show notes here and kind of how to like work our way through here. And if you listen to our episode last, uh, we're putting on our own events. Yep. By no means are they at the level of a huge thing like Gold Rush or 
any of the other count led to 100. I mean, hundreds of riders. Apart from number plates, there's no infrastructure. There's, there's, really, like, there's a there's a established route. It's, it's a very like I, w- I would say in the world of riding events, right? Like you and I, when we finish recording here, we're going to go ride mountain bikes together. Yeah. I'm going to go to my house, grab my bike, and grab your bike. We're going to meet at a trailhead. We're going to ride bikes. Yeah. Okay. That's about the beginning, middle, and the end of the organization. And then you have a race event that has like a packet pickup and a time and timing chips and all the things. That's the other end of the T-shirt, spectrum. swag. Right. Yeah, the whole right. thing. Ours is our events are like somewhere in the middle. It's, it's an organized a- ride and and it gives us the opportunity to all ride the same course that's agreed upon beforehand. And we have number plates. But it's definitely not a huge event like his. Um, but I just got back from a huge event. I got back from an event that has much more notoriety and much more national acclaim and history than either Old Man Winter or Gold Rush, and they figured it out. And they set the precedent, I think, moving forward for the coming events to potentially have a chance. And so by watching that this past weekend and, and like in my mind thinking about us talking about this Gold Rush idea – I was just like, dude, you, you gave up early. Uh, gave up early. Yeah. Because I watched a guy put on an event last week, just on Saturday. That was awesome. And he did it. And he did it with state health department officials looking over his shoulder, literally looking over his shoulder, like standing next to him in every every stop of the way. In every way. Was it a full race? Like, did was there any amount of racers or riders that um canceled or was it like yeah. a was it a small like what was the fee did right. they give you any statistics yeah, on yeah. that so, so okay so i did the mohican 100 mountain bike race in ludenville ohio on saturday it's part of the nue series the mohican 100 has been around for a lot of tough tons of, tons of years the guy that runs the this specific race is also the director of the nue the national ultra endurance series which is a nationwide series um, tons of races like over 10 races and you earn points and your, your your points from the top four finishes determine the winners and it's pulling it pulls huge pro field dude i raced with tinker wars again on saturday it races huge or pulls in huge pro fields and it's the best of the best in endurance racers in the country and uh it goes through the mohican state forest and it goes through national par- or not national parks. It goes through state forest property. It goes through state parks. It goes through private lands. It goes through farm roads and forest roads. But it starts in downtown Ludenville each year, and has seven hundred racers fly through downtown Main Street. And it's just a like, tiny little town, dude. Like it's wild, but um, in beautiful area. But seven hundred racers usually. On this last Saturday, two hundred sixty-eight racers. It's still, I mean, I mean. All things considered, people traveling to get to the race, things like that. That's still 268 people. That's a lot of people. It's a lot more than the people we have at our E3 races. Or at our, <laughs> yeah. Starting at E3, the new yeah. lineup races that we have starting at E3. Um, it's it's a lot more than the 22 that we have. Yeah. The two of us started two hours before everybody else. <laughs> right. so, so managing two, over 250 racers. Yeah. And they did it within COVID policies. And as the... Is the first event. It's the first event since the pandemic yeah. shut everything down. Yeah. Um, no, it was different, man. Instead of it being a mass start, it was seated. So all races were seated beforehand, beforehand based on either Cat 1 or Pro status. Put you in the, in the very front. 
And then from there, they did your best time over the last your last three finishes. A lot of repeat racers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio has a huge endurance cross country scene, like massive, massive cross country racing scene that comes out of Ohio. And a lot of it has to do with the, the guy who runs this race in the new series. But from the your finishes, and so what they did is starting at seven a.m., six riders went out, and then at seven oh one. The next seven oh two, the next seven oh three, the next six. So it's almost like an individual time trial, because you just peeled off these tiny little groups instead of usually when when I take off on a single speed endurance race, there's twenty four dudes in the field and I can see all of them. Mm-hmm. I'm like I know who they all are. Or I let you know, you're corralled, but you all start at the same time. So this is very much like almost time trial time trial status. status. Uh, but they did it every minute. If you think about that, if you do six racers a minute. In 60 minutes, you're putting off a ton of racers. Yeah. You can pop your event off within an hour. And and that's what they did. And it worked out. You know, like everyone had time to chip, so you went off chip time, not clock time. Not clock time. And and it, and it, it all it all worked out. Do you think and we'll get into the race because I still I haven't actually heard I, I know how you did, but I haven't heard any any outstanding moments or anything. Do you think that by such a you know a prevalent race series that's a big part of like the nationwide endurance race series do you think other promoters are going to fall in line oh i spoke with him at length i spoke with ryan uh at length about that absolutely he knew in putting this race off that he was setting setting a tone now don't get me wrong 14 days from now if 86% of us at the Mohegan 100 are all COVID positive, it's a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're like uh, 13 days, 12 days out of yeah. knowing really um, if it worked or not. But no, they're all looking at them. And only one race in that series canceled, the Lumberjack 100. The rest of them are still slated to go. Some have already delayed. Like uh, I signed up for Pierre's whole 100. It got moved now to August 22nd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're doing a two-day format for the 100K and the 100 mile. But uh, they were all waiting to see how it went. And it really, it tells whether or not their events will go or not. Yeah. You know? Oh, we got to talk about Leadville. Oh, I know. We'll finish this, but like, we got to talk about that too. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> You know, and just to touch on that, there's two ways to go. I'm going to figure it out, or I'm not going to do it. And Leadville went with the I'm not going to do it route. And I actually think because Leadville is more than just the Leadville 100, it really is like a season of events. And if, if, if we dig into it a little bit more economically, they probably need the camps and the yeah. 50 milers and the trail and all, because then people go to the store and they buy the like the ec- economics of the whole thing. Cause it's a huge machine probably needs several events. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll side tangent. Cause yeah. I do want to hear how the race went, Yeah, but we're on the Leadville thing. How much of a, like, uh, I don't want to say a blessing cause COVID is not a blessing, but in light of the chaos with too many racers being signed up this year and no, not being able to coin in and them legitimately not knowing how they were going to do the race this year. Dude, I actually heard through the grapevine that currently uh, Screech Powers and Kelly Kapowski are up in <laughs> Leadville right now because those motherfuckers got saved by the COVID. Yeah. Big time. Um, how so, hot was Kelly So Kapowski? again, yeah, well, you know, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, 
again, going back a handful of episodes to earlier part of the year, um, there was some chaos with Leadville where they over-registered the race on accident and they let, I think it was like 700 or a thousand too many racers in. And they were really trying to figure out how to figure how to, how to get the number of racers in that they needed to get in. And now in light of canceling, which first time in 22 years, crazy also, but they have to cap the deferments. They have to cap the deferments, which I think you and I lucked out on, but I think some of our racers did not. If you didn't do, if you didn't defer from 5 PM to 5 or 5 PM on the day they opened it, you weren't deferred. For for the for twenty twenty one. Yeah, you could get twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three. Um man, I tell you what, I mean, I know your business is crushing right now. Um don't open up a bike shop because Harley's is way better than yours. But <laughs> if you would have, you'd be crushing too. Uh Leadville's cru- Leadville must be crushing. Yeah. Think about that. You know what our biggest problem is? How do we filter our gigantic pool of people trying to pay us five hundred dollars ride fire roads? How do we filter them into the next three years of guaranteed positive cash flow? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so but it's so- going to hurt them short term. I mean, really, when yeah. you look at the economy and like the whole history of Leadville Race Series, it was all started to yeah. bolster the local economy. Yo, I'm checking, they're going to miss it all. Yeah. If, if my bank account was padded a bit more than it was, I would have donated my 500 bucks yeah. to them because I believe in everything that they stand for. Yep. I think it's amazing. And I have never not been emotional when in Leadville, either racing it the three years I've done it crewing it the one year we you and i crewed for everybody and crewing the run like i've never not been emotional it's powerful and so yeah i mean it it, it's under it's one of those the whole vibe of everything that happens there yeah and so i would if i had more cash guys i'd give it to you i just i don't have more cash (laughs) 500 bucks is pretty cherished yeah i don't know it's half a thousand dollars a thousand dollars a lot of fucking money That's amazing. Uh, so, so that's a half of like a lot of money. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I would never call COVID a blessing, but in their situation where they had a race that they didn't know how they were going to put off with way too many entrants, I'll call it a windfall. Like, yeah, we're going to say that they um, very easily found the glass half full. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> They didn't have to search for it, Um, but you know, the, the, the theme of this episode is very quickly becoming, how do you make shit happen? And then how do you, and and what not to do And gold rush is what not to do. So for anyone out here who knows a race director, send them a message. Hey, don't like automatically let people know you're probably going to keep their money for nothing. Um, String them along just a little bit more. Golly. Right. Um, Well, and, and, as as my race events are quickly being taken off the calendar, I am looking to the events that I would do in September and October. And Gold Rush had kind of crept in there. Yeah, well, you have to be really selective because everyone's pushing to October, November, yeah. right? And so there's going to be no shortage of opportunity. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a lot more supply than there will be. Like, There's going to be spots open for every race because yeah. – Well, and what my plan and I, and without even having talked with you about this for any fall racing is morning of day before registration. Right. If I feel like it. Well, it kind of goes back a couple episodes. We talked about this and, and we, and I've talked with all the guys that I'm coaching about this. There's no such thing as going back to base miles guys. Be ready. Yeah. And, And it's just for that. I mean, again, I'm not perfect guys. 
I got second, not first last weekend. So obviously I'm not perfect. But I decided on Wednesday to do a hundred miler on Saturday. Yeah. And if you're race time ready, if your training doesn't stop, you don't slow down, you don't hesitate, you don't back up, you don't say, Oh, Paul, what was me? I took today off. On Wednesday, you can decide to do hundred on Saturday. Yeah. And you're gonna probably have to be that malleable in your scheduling oh. to be successful in racing issue. I was talking to one of our racers, uh, Alex, this past week, and we're both doing trainer road stuff. And he asked me what plan I was doing. I was like, I haven't changed my plan since March. My yeah. A event is still in August. Yeah. Like, I haven't I haven't altered that course one bit. Yeah, you know, because you can always move a peak a little bit yeah. here and there. It's a matter of a little bit of recovery, a little bit more food here, a little bit more whatever, a couple of interval days there. But you can't ramp up to it real quick, Mm-mm. you know, so you don't want to be caught in the backseat. But, yeah, I, I just – I watched this guy put this event on over the weekend, and and he did it. And, man, the conversation I had with him on Friday night was so – I'm trying to – I got there, and I'm building the bike in the woods, and I uh, get the bike built up, and I'm going to go down and take a shower. I love to shower before race morning, so I'll take a night shower, so that when I wake up in the morning, I'm, like, fresh and clean. It feels good, so I go do that, and the dude's outside at the start-finish line, and I bump into him, and I start chatting with him, and he he just looked like stress, you know? Right. And he was so worried about the people who were giving him negative pub, so... On Facebook, that posted that you know the race was going on, but wait on the permit. He literally was waiting on the permit until Friday midday. Mm-hmm. Now the race is Saturday, so how it worked out is he's been around this community for a real long time. They bring I think it was like one and a half million dollars to the economy each year when they throw this race. Yeah, and so you know he's got a positive relationship with the community and the guy. Who, so the guy at ODNR, he said, Ohio Department of Natural Resources, he. He knows the forest guy. So the forest guy gave him purpose. But the park, which they're all under OD, park's a separate like subgroup. They weren't going to give the permits. And so his forest guy was like working for him to get the permits, like their buds. And the park ended up putting the kibosh on and saying, hey, no, we're not going to give him a permit for our park, which means you can't give him a permit. Your permits aren't valid now. And so that's how it got squashed. And so the race course cut out 25 miles of the original course. So the 100 becomes a 70 because they cut out a chunk of the, chunk of the, of the course, 25 on the out, 5 on the back. And he was, he was super disappointed, and he posts about it on Facebook, and some town person writes on there, that's because you've never been wanted here. You always ruin our community. There's something stupid, right? And you know, the squeaky wheel is wow. not. Yeah, the squeaky wheel is wow. not. Really, we brought a mill and a half. And listen, I went into the little town, in the coffee shop, in the little brew, brew pub. <laughs> they need that mill and a half. In like the sorry-ass grocery store. Like, I mean, <laughs> the grocery store didn't have oat milk. It was already a back, you know? So... <laughs> They want the mill and a half. Yeah. They need it. He was so concerned about those negative things. And I'm talking to him. I go, listen, who's your customer? And he's like, well, you know, you racers. I go, right. You work for your customer. And yeah. you do. And you sell out. You fall in love, sell out for your customer. That's your job. You're not here to please all these other people because two Tontina ain't coming to the race anyway. No offense if you're overweight. The it's like, I think humans just do that, right? Yeah, I do are. it. I do it like, well, I do it with little shit. Like I could have eight months of great riding. I have one shitty ride and that's the one that stands out. Right. Yeah. And it's, it, it's way, cause it happens in business. The number of people who leave the store happy 
generally is in the 99.9% range. Like we have very, very few negative customer interactions. Which is really good to say because like I just talked to a guy who came in here on Friday and he said he dropped 350 bucks to get Kush core and new rubber and he was so happy about it. <laughs> so you gotta figure it out. <laughs> and but you know, if we see 300 people in a week, 299 of them aren't leaving reviews. And then we have one bad, like some dude gets mad at me because I'm like, hey man, can you wear a mask? It's a thousand dollar fine if I get popped without you wearing a mask. He's going to be the guy that goes and is super vocal. And it's the same thing with some local yokel going, we don't want you here. Well, first of all, you don't speak for everybody. And second of all, kind of go fuck yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And and so we had that chat at the end and you could tell he was, um, you know, he knows that. He's not stupid. He's been putting races on forever. But it's like, yeah, but it's nice to hear that. And then as I'm having that conversation with him, two other guys roll by that were going to like pre-ride the start of the race. And they're both like, yeah, man, yeah. Dude, we're so happy that you're here. Like, you gave us something to do. You gave us this race. I looked at him and I go, bro, I ain't never coming to Lutonville, Ohio. Ever. <laughs> except for. Except for the fact that you put this on. I go, dude, I booked it on Wednesday. And then I told him my convoluted way to get there. And he's like, oh, my. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I did that for you. I, not for, not for yeah. you. I did it for me. But I did it because of you. you. Yeah. You made this happen. And so it was so cool to see, you know, and that's why you and I were talking about this before the episode. And you're like, man, it's cool. They were just like, fuck it. We're going to do it. But no, it wasn't. He yeah. was like hyper calculated, super aware and super safe and still did it. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. That's awesome. How was the race? You got second. Second. New time. Was it like just shy of five minutes separating you and first? Yeah, it was like uh, just under five minutes he beat me by. And actually, um, I, I rode with him in the last part of the race. But because it was a stage start. Mm, he, he, he was me, ahead. Yeah. He was ahead. Yeah. So, kid was super strong, dude. He's 27. It's a beast. Yep. He, li- he lives out there. He's done that race. Um, beast mode. And. Man, I watched him. On, you know, again, we rode from about mile, I don't know. We rode about the last 25, 30 miles together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was working my ass off to stay with him. And I know he was working his ass off. And we each dropped and tried to like, put it into each other a little bit. Wasn't but there. he had it. I mean, yeah. he, I'll tell you what, racing in Ohio is a lot different than racing in the West. Because what do you used to? Big long giant climb, big long descent, big, long descent. and then you do that again and again and again yeah. and again, right? Like Silver Rush is three of those, yeah. right? This is rolling, I bet. Dude, it is punchy, punchy climb. So like, you know, climb for two and a half minutes in your throat, and then descend for three and, a half, and then do it again, and then down, and then up, and then down, and it was it's it's nonstop. Like if you look at the elevation profile, it looks like a crazy EKG. Yeah, it's nuts. So well, it's like. When we went to Arkansas, you know, looking at course profiles, like, oh, whatever, 1,200 feet over 23 miles. Yeah. You work for every foot of that. You're pedaling the whole time. Yeah, you don't stop. So uh, I had no, you know, no excuse. Kid kid was super strong. Yeah. But it was a really cool format because, like I said, they let people off a minute at a time. And so, uh, me being me, when I registered, they said they were going to do the seating. So I sent them a message and I go, hey, man, so I'm like uh, USAC Pro and I'm going to race single speed. I, I won True Grit just a couple months ago. So could you take that in consideration with the seating or whatever? I get there and I'm slated to do a 737 start. So I'm like the 37th wave. I was actually the second. There were only 38 waves. I was in the very back. 
And I, okay. So I go to him and check it out. I'm like, hey, I don't mean to be weird here, but I kind of like sent him a message and said like pretty fast. Can I start with the rest of the fast dudes? And um, they ended up making it happen. Start at 7.02. So I was in the third wave. Um, but I had to like push myself up into there. Right. And they're like, it's not that big of a deal. There's a ton of passing opportunities. Well, that's totally wrong. There are a ton of passing opportunities. But if you ride with the slow group, you're going to be a you're slow rider. Stuck, yeah. It's just kind of the way it is. Um, so I went off 702. The first single speeder went off at 01. So I knew if I caught him that I was going to beat him. And I went off the single speeder. So as long as I beat him, I was going to beat him. And then, and then the guy, guy came off behind me. If he catches me, shit, he beat me. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. So by eight station four, we're, there's like four of us single speakers together. And everyone's hammered. Like, bro, hammered. <laughs> and this kid, Ryan Johnson, jumps in there. And he's on a geared bike. He took third at nationals in the U23. So he's about the fastest, one of the fastest kids in the country. But he was cool and he rode with us. And so he allowed us to get our speeds up on the flat roads and whatnot. So we're just like, dude, you Do you guys tuck it in behind him? Oh, dude. <laughs> and then he would peel off and let us, and the pace yeah. drops a little bit, and yeah. then he would goose it back up. And yeah. so it's kind of cool. It all worked out. And at one point, this guy, Dave, which dude was a hammer, he ran a 3417 gearing. Seems big. And I'm on 34.19, and the kid that won was like 32.20. And that's who usually wins in these real quick spins yeah. because of the way these hills worked. So we're, we're towards the end of the race, and he goes, hey, man, this guy, Dave, who starts one minute behind me. And everyone's all super cool. No matter what happens, man, it's super fun to race with you guys, no matter how this finishes up. <laughs> yeah, man, you too. And in my head, I'm like, I'm a Michael Jordan, you motherfucker, last dance. Like, I'm trying to kill you, <laughs> right? But he's super cool. Um, so we end up just putting into it, and it gets to the finish line, and this kid, Thad, pulls away from me on one of the last hills. And there's just, I just can't hold him. I'm like, dude. But he was five minutes ahead of me anyway. So I knew I lost him. Right. But I dropped Dave and I go, I dropped him, but I got to like drop him, drop him because he's got a minute on me just by start time. You got to put it into him. And then in front of me is this guy, Eli, who took third at True Grit. And I go, if I catch him, then I know I got him. So, you know, it's towards the end of the race and I'm starting to dance cramps a little bit. So I'm eating a couple of shots and uh, shot blocks and I'm, and I'm swigging a little bit of perpetuum and I got my, my noon going. And I'm like, dude, just hang on. And then I get to where I can see the campground. And I go, oh, shit, this is going to finish sooner than I thought. Oh, dude, you got a hammer. And many times throughout that race, I had to say out loud to myself, the same thing I say to you when we kind of talk about some of your recaps, mm-hmm. which was I was yelling at myself in the woods to be alone. By yourself, yeah. By myself, quit riding bikes. Start racing. Yeah. And just yelling at myself because it's so easy to fall into like that. I'm riding bikes really fast, faster than everybody else. But I know I'm not racing like my racing. Yes. Yeah. So I kept yelling at. So at the end, I'm just race, 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 and hammer, hammer, hammer. So I do, and I put myself into it. Climb one of these last hills. Happen to go by my campsite, so I know I'm so close. I look back, and I had passed Eli, and there he is again. And Eli's that dude I talked about him with the True Grit recap. He's got like jacked biceps, like he's just a freaking muscle <laughs> man, dude. Right? He's beast. Race the single speed. Race the single speed. And uh, I look back and he sees me and he just his angry face and he's trying to catch me. And I'm like, okay, I know as long as they don't screw with us, I know that this is almost the end, like less than a mile. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I'm going to bury him or myself. So I just nuke it, I drop it, like he fades away, come ripping through the finish line. And I'm like, yeah, okay, got to lie. And then I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then Dave comes flying through and I'm like, damn it. I didn't, don't think I got the move. Yeah. We're chilling. 
everyone gets a free growler of beer and so sort of everyone gets it filled up and Dave comes up, he's in a t-shirt now. I'm like, dude, great. He's like, that was so fun. I go, man, it's awesome. I'm like, dude, you got second, dude. That's awesome. You know, he's like, you think so? And I go, you came in like right behind me and you had a minute on me. Yeah, you got second. Dude comes in with a Brock Epic kit that I, that I started with. He's a hammer. He did Brock Epic single speed. Like these guys are nukes. Yeah. Dave comes up with 10 minutes later. He's like, dude, you, you got second. I just looked at the results. I go, look, Harley, 28 seconds is what I got second place. <laughs> so all those moments of being like, race, don't ride, race, don't, bury your legs, climb up that last hill, see yeah. Eli, pass me, hit Eli, catch back up, yeah, you can get catch me now. Like, bury my, all those little, little things. You think, my time was five hours and like 33 seconds. And, and he was like less than 30 seconds behind me in a five hour event. That's, like the details matter. Yeah. For you sure. Know, when people talk about grams on a bike, yeah, grams add up and they make a bike lighter and faster. Yeah. In those moments in races where you have to like be in it, matter, dude. Less than 30 seconds on a five hour event. Yeah. It was so cool, man. We all hung out at the end, you know, six feet apart. But <laughs> that was the one of the weirdest things was seeing the podium picture. So spread out. <laughs> like, sure. like you should have seen the five person podium. Is it on the is it on the no ride around account? Uh, I'll put it on. I'll put on no rider on Facebook. It's uh, in Instagram right now. It's on. Yeah, no yeah, rider yeah, it's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, and I'm such an idiot because in my brain, oh, they went and did a bike race. That's a normal thing to do this time of year. And then like it just like control alt deletes everything about COVID. Right. And like, and so I'm like, well, they did a bike race. Why is the podium so? Oh, yeah. It was so funny. Um. I actually, I kind of goofed. I meant to put, um, I meant to put a mask on because I was like, this is, was it just to be funny? Just to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, is it funny? But I was going to put a mask on just as like a commit, almost like I'll never forget why we were so spread out and I have a mask on. But, um, you know, the, the director kept saying, he's like, man, this is so much more fun when there's usually a huge expo and then there's a band and there's all these food trucks and people are barbecuing and the, the campground that was held at Bohican Adventures was amazing. Had lakes and like cabins on it. It was really cool. But even as it was, it was super neat. Um, I'll post a picture on no right on Instagram of the sunset on Friday night because you see all these cabins and all these campsites and everyone's got their own fire. So there's probably like 200 fires going. So each fire is putting off its smoke. So the whole place is like easy campfire smoke with like sunset. And like it's crazy, glorious. Like sounds amazing. It was gorgeous. And, um, and, and it was still, I mean, it's worth every bit of travel and expense. Yeah. That it, took it always there. is. There's a, 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 this racer who used to have a pretty fun, uh, website and, Anytime I hear somebody fuss about race entry fees, which this is very counterintuitive to the first part of this episode. Um, but one of my favorite things he ever said was if the race fee is what keeping you from racing, you weren't going to race in the first place. Yeah. And that just brings it together, right? Like, no, you, you went through a lot of like, you had a series of early starts both just like here and then also like getting to the airport, doing the race, getting home so that you can come back to work. Like for, for a bike racer, like all of that is in 
consequential to the experience of the bike race. So there's, there's, uh, there's no way. And this is what, this is what COVID, like my biggest takeaway with COVID and you and I have talked about this too. And we've even talked about it on here is like, how happy are you that you did Brock Epic last year? Oh, amazing. There is no Brock Epic this year. How happy are you? How happy are you that you did any event, anytime ever when all events are taken away from you? Right. So like, are you going to, yes, I'm going to. Matter of fact, so Harley, this is the first payday. I got oh paid, yeah, yeah, that's paid, awesome, dude. Cash on the podium. Um, yeah. Actually, not even cash. There's a check made out to me. I wanted to like Happy Gilmore and be like, bro, can you made this like super big check. It's <laughs> like the first time I've been like paid. Yeah, winning a race. Yeah, freaking dope. That's you know, awesome. um, you know what I did? I took all that money I made, and on the drive back yesterday, so I had, we had to drive from campsite in Ohio all the way to Chicago for me to catch a flight, and uh, six and a half hour drive or so, and on the drive, I took that money and I leveraged it. And I signed up for Pierre's Hole 100, which is the next NUE race that I'll do. It'll be in August. Um, I just turned around and signed that up for that. I mean, that that's the essence of privateer racing. You just use the, any money that you get to just do the next one. And, and so now, like, now I go, okay, well, this is kind of part of the budget. If you win Pierre's Hole, it's 600 bucks yeah. in like a race jersey. Yeah. jersey. So I'm like, if I win that, 600 bucks, that pays for like, Four, three more races, you know. Like, yeah, totally. You know? It's like it's like getting scratch offs. Totally, <laughs> right? So that's how that's how I looked at it, and I go, all right, now you got to you have trained to win Pierce Hole. So, um, it's awesome. It sounds like that series is going to go, and and I think it's all because this guy put it on. He did it smart. He did it safe, but he put it on. Yeah. And and I think with all of COVID, with the gym opening, with you know, with anything that we do. There's going to have to be somebody who does it first, smart, responsibly, but says it can be done. And then you go, oh, okay, it can like it can be done. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. I picked up our coffee in Nixon's today. There are two people in there working on laptops. It can be done. Oh, are they open partial yeah. capacity? Half the tables are closed. The other half aren't. Yeah. When you order, you put a sign on your table that says how many people are there. When you're done, you flip it and it says this table needs sanitized. Like it's super fucking goofy. Yeah, sure. Just be, just be smart. Yeah. But there's two people in there working on laptops. That wasn't happening for months. Yeah. Now it just takes now I saw that I go, you know what? I think I'm gonna go there and read a book tomorrow at yeah. some point. You know, like it just it takes a person. And uh yeah. it's cool to see people do it. Hell yeah, man. Well, congrats on the second place. Can congrats on the uh the check. Um that's all super fun, super awesome. I'm sure it just I think a lot right now, like we're, we're all just seeking some normal feelings. Like mm-hmm. last night I went to a friend's birthday party and it was like inner circle people. So like there was a safety thing, but it just felt normal to be hanging out at somebody's house, like enjoying food, enjoying some drinks and like just doing normal people shit. Yeah. I, uh, I ate at a restaurant for the first time yesterday. Ooh, I haven't done that yet. Well, I mean, by like necessity, like, we're driving and I'm like, dude, I'm fucking starving. Like yeah. we got up and my uncle, Uncle Mental can go. Oh, by the way, I raced with Derek, so yeah. that's it. But he can go. Whose beard is awesome right now? Dude, his beard <laughs> and his hair. He's like Wolfman Jack. If you're calling him Wolfman Jack, he looks so cool. Okay. So um, and uh, and he's got he's got the worst eye vision ever. So he's got bottle caps. He's got the like, thick glasses. Yeah, they're crazy thick. So he looks. I go, dude, you're a mad scientist, and he is an aeronautical engineer. Yeah. So he's like a mad scientist. It's fucking funny, but uh. We're driving. I'm like, dude, I'm starving. Like, you have, you drank like a V8. I'm like, I'm dying right now. So we stop at this diner in like a one light town, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and we go into this diner, and they're open. 
in their space tables, whatever, but they're open. And so we sit down to order and I'm like, dude, that's, I haven't like been in a restaurant, you know? And he goes, neither, you know? So we come over and it's a breakfast place. We're eating, you know, eggs and potatoes and bacon. Right. So that's what we order. And she goes, all right. Um, what kind of toast you want? Like we order, he orders like rye toast or something. Are you going to want some jelly? Yeah, I'll take some jelly. What flavor jelly do you want? Oh, cause she's got a, he's like, like, uh, well, what do you got? She's like, orange, strawberry, mixed berry. He's like, strawberry. So then she takes the rest of the order and she goes, are you going to want some salt and pepper? And I'm like, I mean, just like all the shit, like just like, just, just put the stuff on the table. Breakfast, right. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, yeah. she's got to sanitize each bottle, yep. each salt and pepper, like individual packet, like yeah. each ketchup. Packet. Just have that shit on no, the it's all brought over. And we're sitting there. We're like, Oh yeah. Well I get, and then I told her cause she got a mask on and stuff. And I'm like, I kind of wondered why you're being all of my shit. Like, yeah. yeah, I want hot sauce. Maybe I don't want hot sauce. I don't fucking know. It's kind of like my prerogative. Can you just bring it? Yeah. And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, oh, dude, totally makes sense. But it was pretty weird. But then we had breakfast is badass. So, yeah. Um, all right. Let's roll along into the next one. Um, continuing down the, the rabbit hole of events that are being put on. Um, I'm going to go into the World Cup stuff. You're crazy. So, the last handful of years, I've been super into watching World Cup cross country racing because the women's races have just been. Yeah, you like the women's races lit. more. Than well, okay. So, like, Nino Scherter is crazy dominant. And then if Matthew Vanderpool shows up, it gets a little interesting. But really, there's like two guys who are winning the men's races. The women's field is crazy competitive. Um, Kate Courtney, who is a U.S. Uh, racer, uh, races on the same team as Nino. She's on the Scott Schram squad. Uh, I get nerd out on that shit forever. But the like the top five women racers are all so close in talent and in skill and in fitness that the women's races are... The most exciting mountain bike racing you can watch right now. Period. Dot. End of story. <laughs> I will accept no arguments to the contrary. <laughs> uh, and I, I, of course, I still watch the men's races, and of course, I still watch downhill. Uh, but the World Cup, like each race, has just been getting canceled and canceled, and they've been holding on because these are massive events. I mean, these yeah. are you know when you look at a local race that maybe costs. You know, between fifty and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to put on. I mean, these are multi-million-dollar events. Right? Massive, massive I mean, brand sponsor. They're, sponsors, they're right? professional events, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Professional sports. So, what's it cost to put on a football game? What's right. it cost to put on a hockey game? Like, same scale, same level. Um, and so they just announced. Um, I'm not even going to bother pulling up the article. They restructured the whole season, which is usually seven races. From being seven events spread out over six months to seven events condensed into eight weeks. <laughs> totally different ballgame. Right. So these aren't marathon lengths. This is XCO, which is cross-country Olympic distance is what they're calling it. So it's usually about an hour and a half of racing. Right, 90 minutes of just in your throat. Yeah. Multi-laps, tons of short laps. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the women's races are five laps and the men's are seven or something like that. Um, how does it like as a fitness professional, I need to know, like these are racers who compete at a super high level, call it every three to five weeks. Yeah. 
maybe three to six weeks. Tons of recovery. Now they're taking a season's worth of racing. So they're going to have, the, there's going to be all the hay in the barn, right? Because they're still training. Yeah. They're, Interestingly, a lot of them did go back to base miles. Yeah, but they're also a different animal. So, totally different. I just, to point it out, you right. know, just, right. I, I found it interesting because I follow a number of these racers. Um, and a lot of them did kind of go back to their base slash build phase. Um, but yeah, so I think it starts in September and finishes in October or something crazy like that. Yeah. So do you think the big thing in my mind is, do you think the pace of the individual races will come down? So if a, if a five lap women's race was normally an hour 30, do you think we'll see them hour 40, hour 42, just to like, yeah. So my answer, I, so no, I don't. (laughs) <laughs> right. here's what i think is gonna professional happen athletes and all they're not probably not gonna hold back yeah so what's your what's one of the race. phrases we talk about all the time when when you race bikes like what like you're gonna go for what what what's one of the things you say a lot when you talk about racing bikes like go for gold well like, <laughs> like, you say what records or what oh checkers are records checkers yeah. are records yeah. right and like that's how you race right like how do you race the apex gut on the golden giddy up yeah hard as you can as hard as you can if i blow this bike into a thousand pieces well i tried or Break both my wrists. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so that's how they're going to race because that's the job, you know. Um, think of the makeup of an XC racer: super lightweight, power to weight ratio. Yeah, always like kind of on the cusp of perfection and athleticism and complete breakdown. Like, yeah, they're all they're they they're the the right there the definition of walking the line between. Totally. Total system shut down and being the most healthy, in shape individual you've ever seen. Yeah, they're right, right on the line. And so I think what you'll see is maybe a shakeup if those top, top, like the top five in the women and like Vanderpool and Scherter, if they don't have the durability. So you'll kind of look and see. It's actually funny that this question's come up now because it's how I looked back with like what I try to do with my body from last year to this year, I try to cut a ton of weight off. But then if I look at a lot of the guys in the single speed division, they're still like pretty burly, muscly dudes with a lot of like girth on the legs and the waist yeah. and like to carry some weight because you gotta have the durability to keep like throwing heavy power down. They call it, I just heard it, the T-Rex build. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be, cause you gotta be able to huck it around and yeah. yank on it as stuff starts to break down and you're in, so it's durability. Yeah. You're going to see the durable athletes come out as the series winners, right. you know? So you may see a super fast, lightweight, traditional XC racer win race one, maybe race two, and then get popped on three, yeah. struggle to rebound for four, maybe win five. You know what I mean? So durability will be, if I'm a trainer for those guys right now, for one of those coaches, we're working on durability. Well, that was going to be my next question is, do you, you know, that announcement was two, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. the, the final, like the, the new schedule, is that enough time for them to pivot oh, training yeah. wise and create new adaptations to be able to hit it hard, like max, max intensity three weekends in a row with one off. Yeah. I'm putting, <clears throat> if I'm a, if I'm coaching those guys, I'm putting some muscle on them. So I'm putting them back in the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to throw some muscle on them. And I'm not going to worry so much about getting down to like this specific race weight because you got the they got the the power and the endurance at this point. I'm putting a little bit of meat on you, 
Because you're going to break down. It yeah. is, I'm not putting meat on you for race one or race two. So if your time's a little – like if you're if you barely – Nino, if you barely won race one, mm-hmm. right, of the series, don't be discouraged. I'm going to have you come in a little heavy, right, and rely on your race experience to win this thing because it's going to pay off in race fours and fives. And yeah, sixes. when you get to race seven, yeah. whoever's got the most robust right. physiology, physical size, presence, et cetera, is they're going to be the ones that can hold on for – seven races in eight weeks. And then there, then it does, you know, with, with these XC courses, you can do that. When you talk about doing endurance events, back to back to back to back, it's even harder because you're trying to say, okay, I can't have so much physique that it is so uh, nutrient. Uh, it needs so much by way of calories just to survive. Like if I have to do a hundred mile race and I'm, and I weigh 190 and I'm jacked. Right, super cut, but I have tons of muscle. I require a lot of fuel. Yeah, it's hard to get that much fuel, and then I do that again the following weekend, or these guys like a one or two weekends after. It's just hard to manage that, so you would want to cut a lot of that weight off. Mm-hmm. With these short power races, they take in a few more pounds of muscle. Yeah, and it's not going to beat them up so bad to make them slow over the course of the race. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm doing. But it's going to be the durable guys. I bet you know what you do. You end up having new winners. Yeah, and I. I I, I hope to see that. I mean, at least on the men's side. I mean, no disrespect to Nino because he he's going to go down in history as probably one of their, I'll say arguably our lifetime best mountain bike racer that's that's lived, um, and that's going back in some some pretty big history. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing some like I. It's the exact reason I don't watch or don't care to watch the women's downhill races is because Rachel Atherton is so dominant that it's almost always a race for second if she's in that race. And it's kind of become the same thing. Like I'm a big fan and, you know, and I like a lot of the, the social media content he puts out and, you know, mad respect for him as a racer. But when you kind of know who's going to win and it's just a race for second, meh, it loses some interest for me. Well, that's why sports are what they are. That's why sports have such a huge following. Um, That's why, men build caves in their house to watch sports, right? <laughs> we do it because it's an unknown, yeah, right? In yeah. a world of like script, it's an unknown. People are always like, man, I can't believe, yeah, I can't believe you like to watch sports so much. It's because you, you have no idea what's going to happen. And because of that, unless it's a Saints playoff game and Roger Goodell hates the Saints, <laughs> he'll find a way to make the Saints lose. But, you know, that that's the whole point of watching the sport. And so, yeah, yeah when, it's, when it's preordained. But you're going to see you can see the shakeup. It's also like think of why, you know, the, the NBA is about to kick back off, and they're debating on how to do their playoff system with having been shut down for for a few months. And they do seven game series, and the reason they do that is because the best team always wins a seven game series. Mm-hmm. But like a wild card could win a five game series, mm-hmm. right? When you do this many races inside of eight weeks, you're gonna like you have the chance for a flash in the pan to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you have it stretched out, it's going to be the the science of the best athlete winning. Nino's probably going to win a stretch yeah. out season. Yeah. But you can have a flash in the pan in this super short, condensed, like anything yeah. can happen deal. I think we're on the cusp of, of an upset on the men's side of things just because last year he, he was dominant. Don't get it twisted. Um, and he's current world champ. Um, but there were some people, some other racers nipping at his heels. Um, so I'm excited for... World Cup in September. Like, yeah, it's gonna be cool. I can't, it's gonna be as good as the women's side has been over a season of stretch out racing. I think it's gonna be 
that much better. I just think it's going to be a great season of racing. So a season, eight weeks, whole season of racing. Um, and I think they're jamming world world champs in there also. So, um, you know, what I can't wait for is that e bike world champ. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> uh, um, all right, our races, man. Um, I finally got to do one. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, so we did our what was initially dubbed the E3 XC MTB race series, and uh, has now been amended to the no ride around xc mtb race series uh, let's just be clear about why we made the shift so well, you were clear about it in the last race yeah. or in the last episode yeah um uh, you know go ahead from your perspective it was there was no slight against the podcast or me no no not at all it was i'm coaching these guys at e3 yeah. for a race and then all the races get pulled and these guys are wandering aimlessly and i go you know what I own E3. We can start and finish the race here. Yeah. We're on stay at home, but it's technically like we can do this. My, my stuff. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to provide them a service. Mm -hmm. um, but then the stay at home gets lifted and now we can address a bigger group. Well, and also, you know, a lot of the people who are racing are team members of the newly formed no ride around team. Totally. So um, anyway, the uh, number two race was Bear Creek or Battle of the Bear substitute. Battle right. of the Bear was supposed to be on 516. Um, we did, I've got the Strava profile pulled up. So uh, we did uh, basically an outbound half a lap, three quarters of a lap at Bear Creek, up Mount Falcon, down Lair, back through Morrison, other third of Bear Creek, and then back into town for a grand total of about 54-ish miles and just shy of 5K in climbing. Um I felt good just to put a number plate on. Yeah, right? <laughs> like I I know some people and some people just aren't wired the same way we are. Um and I I definitely drew some eye rolls from people who are close to me about like you're race like what do you mean you're racing? It's not a race. I'm like it's a race. Like uh, somebody's going to do better than me and I'm going to do better than somebody. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I, it hasn't been without its critiques from the the peanut gallery in some cases, but end of the day, we put number plates on our bikes and we all went out to see who could do the course the fastest. Dude, um, and we had a lot of people do it. Yeah, there was. Uh, we ended up with twenty three total time finishes. Yeah. Um, I had to. I really forced it in, like really, oh, yeah. like. Like you started at six eight or yeah six just like just ahead like five just ahead of six yeah so that you could race shower and get to work yeah and I ended up being a and we'll get into like my my experience of racing but I ended up about an hour later to to the to work uh, than I anticipated but um so. Me and one other racer, uh, Dan, started at five fifty three. We met up at E three. 4 a.m. when you don't have a race, like when you didn't actually pay for the race. <laughs> it's tough. It's a real hard argument to have with yourself. Yeah, no, I know. And several times you said, man, we should start them earlier. I'm like, man, it ain't going to happen because I have that same feeling. Because I don't want to. <laughs> you know? like, uh, but, I mean, it felt like any other race morning. I mean, it really did. And the alarm went off. I, you know, had that brief minute of like, and it's a split second of screw this. And then you're like, no, no, no. 
And I mean, I woke up, I had my pre-race breakfast, I got my gear on, I hopped in the truck and I drove to the start line. Um, I had a great time. Um, and you and I have kind of talked about this, but for the listeners, I want to like recap. I hope more people do the next one and the next one. And I hope we don't get in trouble with, you know, law enforcement or whatever for doing this. But the first thing I think I said to you was racing off of a GPS turn by turn is a learned skill. Yeah. Like you don't just put your GPS on your, your bike and go, all right, I'm going to follow the course. Right. Yeah. You could, you could, if there was a trail. Yeah. Or if, if, you know, there's, there's, I guess there's probably scenarios where you could, um, but you have to learn skill. Take some time. So I, I had a great time. I could have done a lot better than I did if I had approached the, this course with the level of diligence that I've approached literally every other race course I've ever done. Like every, every day at Breck Epic, maybe I didn't know the exact route, but I knew how many climbs there were, what the total elevation was, what the total mileage was. Like I paid attention to my courses day over day. And even though it was unrealistic to go pre-ride them all, I looked right. Did not do this. Had down tube stickers, knew the mileage markers for each climb. Like prepped. This, I was very cocky, like, whatever, I ride these trails all the time. And so, like, I looked at the map, sure, but, I mean, I wasted 35, 40 minutes when we were in Bear Creek. <laughs> just tooling about. Just, yeah, just getting... I know what's your... I mean, I saw your GPS. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... Like, did you close your eyes and ride around? <laughs> so... Moving forward, you know, we have another one coming on June 6th and then uh, 4th of July. The biggest thing I can tell anybody is even if you don't pre-ride the course, definitely zoom in on the map and learn the course. Right. That would, I mean, shaving even 30 minutes off of my total time puts me way closer to what I thought I was going to do. And then the other side of it, was finding race pace riding by myself. Yeah, being alone and trying to dig into like a reason to go faster when I, you know, again, there's not a buckle at the finish line. There's no. not, you know what I mean? Not, no. It's just do your best, right? So I think we've talked about this, you know, racing it alone, you're, you're at a disadvantage already. Well, and it's traditionally like, to your credit as a coach to me, You've never questioned my ability to do the work or my dedication to the work, but you have constantly critiqued me on even in actual races that there were race registrations in. And you're like, dude, you always just hold back a little bit. And so if it's a problem that I already have when I'm starting in a mass start scenario, it's just getting exacerbated by the fact totally. that I'm doing it by myself. And it does turn into a biker. Like, yeah. Okay. And you said, dude, I know you can go for a 50 mile bike ride. Like, yeah. At this point, that's a foregone conclusion. Right. And, and so, so now what are you going to do about that? Yeah. Now you got to race. If you want it to be something yeah. different than just wasting your Saturday morning and coming to work. Like, and it wasn't a waste. I had a great time and it felt good to go do it. And it felt, even though I didn't get to race with the bulk of the race, just like the spirit of being out on the course. Like there was a point in time 
where I knew that you guys were on the course and I was on the course. And so just that knowledge was enough to like make me feel part of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I did, if I, I genuinely feel like, so in my mind, looking at the course, looking at the elevation, looking at where my fitness is, I genuinely thought I was going to be under five hours. I got lost and I never once, like the only time that my heart rate data looked like I was racing is when I was chasing Dan Swanson and I could, I could see, yeah, the second I couldn't see him anymore was like a combination of getting lost in bear Creek and not seeing him. And it just created the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, You know what? Again, kudos to you for just going and doing it. We went back and forth a little bit on it and you had to get the guys at the shop to kind of understand that it was important to you. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to do it period. You could do what you want, but, Within reason, but yeah, yeah. They, but they understood and like to do it again would be to try to find ways to not get trapped in that same loop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, and so I, I don't have the ability to do the June 6th event. You and I talked about it and it's just not realistic um, without, you know, putting my staff in a bad situation, which I'm not, not trying to do. Um, so that leaves for the July event and you know, I, I'm still going to push for an early start because the trails are going to be cr- crowded that day. So I feel like the earlier we can start, the better. Um, but being able to go off with the group, right. even if I get shot out the back, like even if I'm just like all this work I've been doing on trainer road is just like, yeah, that's great. You're really fast on an indoor bike chump. Like <laughs> even if that ends up being the case, uh, you know, at least there'll be some part of me chasing people. Like actively, like oh, is that? Do I see such and such up there? Right. Can I get? Can I bridge him? Can I keep such and such off my tail? Like, you know, I think being able to start with the group um, will vastly change the experience and the effort. I mean, it, I'll tell you for a fact it, it will because my experience in these races is <laughs> you've been pre riding them. Yeah, so I map- pre ride them on my own to yeah. make sure it makes sense. Yeah, um, and we map it and then. And, but then go race it, and it's like a whole new bandwidth higher. Man. Well, you got – so we have a new team member. Yeah, Chad Berenston, yeah. and he's a beast. Yeah. So you, put up, he, he put up a 26-minute Falcon climb last week. Dude. 26, gate to shelter. What, I mean, was, what was Tony's old, like, king of the mountain? was his KOM. Okay. So you guys are nipping at that. Somebody beat it. Somebody beat it. They and Tony knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, somebody beat it. By like you know thirty seconds or so, yeah. but Chad put up a twenty six, which is blistering fast. So you got him, either chasing you or you're chasing him. It's been this funny thing where like, so in the first race, we both uh, we finished together. Yeah, right. There was this like last we talked about it on one episode. We finished together. On the second race, he ended up getting popped just because of a hydrate. Like he ran out of fluids. Yeah. Um, and I got to give him half of my bottle, which felt really good. Cause I mean, he's a great dude, but I still want to be faster than him. Right. So I got to, I was like, Oh man, I got, dude, I got like three quarters of a bottle still. Like, so I only drank like one and a quarter bottles in the right. course. I'm like, here, you can have it. I knew that was a mental game. Like, I gave yeah. it. And so we were together until like Ruby Hill. And then I went back and I'm like, no, I just, you know, cause I felt like he let me ride with him on the first one. So I'm like, oh, I'll put it in, but we finished still relatively together on the second one too so on the team ride 
two weeks ago. We started our team rides for No Rider yep. uh, Falcon. Wednesday night Falcon rides. 5.30 p.m. under. And uh, the first week, I rode the single speed. And so we didn't really get to compete. But and he tore up. He went stupid fast. This last week, man, I, honestly, they, all the guys that went to the yard. But he is he's stupid fast. Yeah. But riding with these guys in the race format, I'm riding way faster than I ever do by myself, even when I'm trying really hard. Yeah, you guys, I mean, what was your what was your time on that? I mean, it was sub four, right? Yeah, we were do we were stupid fast. And and uh in doing that, you know, it's cool because without this race series, without putting on this race series, there's no way that I'm doing this level of riding, this speed of riding. There's no I mean, there's no way it's happening without having put this together and having these guys out there and they were going so fast that I was even saying to myself, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to kind of go, you know what guys, I'm going to drop off the back and make sure everyone's doing it. Like I wanted to find a reason to kind of quit the race <laughs> only because they were going so freaking fast. Yeah. Like they were, it, it, I was like, this is, I don't know if I can, I don't know if this is like sustainable. how sustainable is it? Yeah. So, um, you know, Chad and I did a, we did a three twenty four. Fuck. That's crazy fast, dude. I mean, there's a lot of road that like levels that playing field, but there's still 4,800, 5,000 feet of climbing. And we ran a 324 dude is crazy fast. Newt. And I uh, looked at my heart rate and I'm like, you're newt. Like, it was full on race pace the whole way through. It was, it was so you was didn't, impressive. You didn't struggle to find race pace. <laughs> no, <laughs> because it was looking at me. Yeah. You know, um, and we, I think it's cool that, you know, one of one of my favorite things last year when Colin was going to be doing Breck Epic was there was a, a moment or you know a, a a window of time where he was still going to do the race and he was pretty focused on training with me where we were albeit at a slower relative pace we were having that interaction on the trail we were pushing each other we were like every race was a PR or every race every ride was a PR every climb was a PR every lap at Green Mountain was a PR. And to have somebody that is where you're, you're just back and forth on fitness or, or whatever it is that you can push is a, I haven't experienced it a lot of times, but it is, it's a super fun experience. It's way fun. It, it, it also gets you uncomfortable, yeah. right? Cause otherwise if you just ride comfortable, yeah. you know, yeah. so it gets you uncomfortable, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you yeah. know, you get to tell yourself, stop riding, start racing. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you can roll your eyes or whatever. Um, I think I, I, I stand behind what we're doing. Um, and I actually can foresee a situation post COVID no races where this just keeps happening. Dude, I, I'm sitting here, <laughs> we've talked about it before. I'm like, dude, I think, you know, everything with no ride around has grown and grown and be, it's like, oh, it's a little bit more legit. It's a little bit more legit. And then and brands are giving us more legitimacy in what they're giving us, like support wise. Yep. And so, yeah, next year, is there a, is there a sanctioned race series that is hosted? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we keep it, keep it on the, maybe it's dirty, you know, maybe it's dirty. I mean, I think where I land on it is there are people who make a living doing this and I don't want to, Right, take food out of their mouths or out of their family's mouths, and so I always want it to be kind of what it is right now. Going through a full sanction thing seems like maybe a bridge too far. Probably, it's but, prob- yeah, probably. But continuing to give something our community to compete in, 
Right, and, and just, I'll tell you what, putting a number plate on, wearing matching spandex, yeah. having goose taped to your bike. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing. The whole thing, was the energy of it is way more fun than just going and doing a Buff Creek day with the buds. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so what, we have XCMTB number three and number four coming up, uh, June 6th, which will be, I mean, shit, that's this weekend, right? Yep. Um, 62 miles. North table. So I encourage anybody who's not in Colorado to at least look up some of the race, the, the trails that we're talking about, whether it's on trail forks or MTB project or whatever your, 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 uh, trail map program of choice is. Um, but North table mountain isn't a very big mountain. Um, but it's got some, some gut check moments. Perfect XC grounds. Um, and then the other, single track portion of num- race number three is white ranch, which is ain't no ho white ranch climb. <laughs> you know, the, the idea Hill climb yeah. is stuff, a legend. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's steep, it's loose, it's sustained. Um, I've taken a guy out there who wanted to get into mountain biking and that was his last ride mountain biking. And his opinion on mountain biking now is like, just not even worth it. <laughs> it's gnarly. Um, and then perfect for the race series is that long. I have to assume longhorn. I haven't looked at the race course. So here, so here's the deal. Longhorn is not longhorn. Descent is not part of it. What? Here's why too hairy. It's really hairy for an XC bike. So when I ride longhorn, I ride it on my big big bike, bike, right? It's really hairy for an XC bike. That doesn't mean you can't ride hairy stuff on XC bike, but the fail rate is pretty high on an XC bike. By comparison, and if you get whacked up in there, these are unsanctioned, yeah, unsupported. unsupported. Yeah, you All jack right. yourself up, and so what we're doing is you're gonna go up Belcher, you're gonna drop um, Mustang to the right. I'm sorry, Maverick to the right. Descend down. You're gonna climb up a piece of Longhorn, and then you're gonna go do the full ma- uh, Mustang loop, the Mustang descent. And it's not easy. It's super tech. Yeah. It's long. It ends with a climb. And do you loop back into it's Belcher? Really fun. And then you'll descend Belcher down. Which is, I mean, no part of White Ranch is easy. No, there's no, there's no soft tosses. Well, I would say Mustang that we're going to do, the Mustang loop is about, the Mustang trail is about 25% easier than Longhorn. But the fun factor is almost, is, is pretty close. Mm. So it's just smarter because everyone's going to have, uh, short travel bikes. Yeah. And so Longhorn's not part of, I had a couple people text me because they were pre-riding it last week. And they're yeah, like, do you do Longhorn? I'm like, no, no. Got, like, remember how you walked that part? <laughs> no, like we're not going <laughs> to do not. the Longhorn. And so, and also I know I wear a lot of spandex and I race a lot of bikes, but at my heart, I want baggies and full sends. Yeah. And I don't want a bunch of us road helmet wearing nerds in the way of people going full send mode on Longhorn. Yeah. So we're gonna ride. We're gonna so ride the more the responsible thing to do is to not I put. Can't long believe I just said that. I know. Yeah, well, right? but we, as responsible for them, we have to. Like yeah. these people are out there, arguably trying to ride on the limit. Of course, we set. Of course, that we set. If somebody gets broke off, we have some piece of that. Totally. Like, uh, yeah. No, you're responsible for yourself, but you kind of did what I said. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I feel pretty bad. And listen, I know a lot of the guys riding, and there's a few of you that. I wouldn't want in front of me on longboard. Like I, I don't trust you enough to yeah. be in front of me on longboard. Yeah. So I don't want to put you. In. Yeah. But uh, 
Mustang super fun. You come out of White Ranch, and then you got a long, you got a pretty long slog back. There's a shitload of road on this one. I yeah, mean, there really lot. is. There really it's, is. It's a 62 mile course, and 30 of it is road. Yeah. So, dedication to the cause for sure. <laughs> like, and the reason is we're, we're building. We're yeah. building to an August 15th event. But there's not a guy that's racing for us, or, I mean, we don't have any women racers yet. Ladies, sign up. Right. Um. But there's not a racer that has signed up for one of our events yet that is unwilling to do the the 30 of pavement. Yeah, you know, it's it's listen, it's part of it, like you said, we're we're honoring the people that are like race directors by trade and they have sanctioned events by trade. And so we can't very well drive to Leadville and do the Leadville course unsanctioned. It's a spit in their face. We can't very well drive to a dirt trailhead and do Battle of the Bear just because that race couldn't put on because they didn't have a permit. But if we ride from here, we're that's basically us paying the penalty to say I, we know we're not the same and we're not trying to be the same. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be our own thing. And yep. that's the penalty. The road's the penalty. Yep. Yeah. Um well I had in our notes we were gonna talk about the fourth of July, but I think one, we're running a little bit long, and two, uh, we'll definitely have another episode between now and the the July fourth event. So um and I got some interesting ideas about fourth of July. For like duo stuff, and uh, I got an eight, a nine-year-old, eight-year-old in Moab busting my balls because there's not a kids division for a kids race. So we got we we might we might be biting off a big old chunk. Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about that on the next episode. Until then, guys, I'd love to hear your feedback on kind of like how we we learn kind of the the true heart of maybe what gold rush did that we're not in line with we're not jiving with and the cool factor that comes from people that do go the extra mile to try to figure out how to make things work like the race director for the nue series yeah. and 100 and where we land in the middle of all that so um keep on keeping on guys keep on planning for these races planning for events uh don't give up because this whole rock has been it's just got a funny way to do that it does and uh you're standing on it so be a part of it <laughs> Thanks for uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Don't wait. You're not done. So get the fuck out. Don't wait. You're not done. So get the fuck out. Don't wait. You're not done.